Podo. Welcome to A Pod Too Far, where we are reliving the golden era of war films from an age where special effects meant someone off-screen throwing a bucket of water over the cast. I'm Robert Hutton, and I've assembled my fleet in ambush off Uruguay. With me, still insisting he was in Portuguese waters when he was sunk, is Duncan Weldon. (laughs) Today, the 1956 naval drama, The Battle of the River Plate. I'm just going to say from the offset, this was Duncan's choice. Duncan, why are we watching The Battle of the River Plate? Because it is an absolutely superb film, which bears rewatching to preempt your final question. It's just, you know, you know it's going to be a good film when you start watching it. It's in black and white, and you have the dramatic music, and then the, 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 the credits roll beforehand. And it's the only film I'm aware of where the ships are credited as who they're playing. And so, you know, and HMS Cumberland as herself. So the full credit the full credits are HMS Sheffield as HMS Ajax, the INS Delhi as HMNZS as His Majesty's New Zealand uh, <laughs> ship Achilles, HMS Jamaica as HMS Exeter and indeed HMS Cumberland as herself. Though weirdly the film that's playing the Graf Spee doesn't get a credit. Bad yes, agent, I, yes, I they're, guess. They're, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the ships that aren't playing themselves, they use generally ships of the same class, which will have looked identical, uh, with the exception of the Graf Spee herself, who's they're subbing a US ship for her. Yes, I, sadly, looking at HMS Sheffield's IMDb entry here, HMS Sheffield is known for The Battle of the River Plate, 1956, filmography, The Battle of the River Plate, never made anything else. <laughs> I, so just just you know um just one of those one hit one hit ships yeah well, <laughs> although they are credited they're credited above most of the cast well because this is a film about the ships no actually it's not it's not now this might seem like a film about the ships but actually you know this film's called the battle of the river plate the battle takes about 20 minutes in a in a, in a, in a two-hour film I mean, this this is a film about everything that goes before and after the battle. But really, look, it's an excuse to get a half dozen World War II cruisers and just film them actually at sea. What I love about these sort of films is there are no special effects. These are just some some big ships we filmed. So this is, I mean, this is a, unlike some of the other films that we've done, this is a film that not everyone will have heard of. Although I have a really striking memory that in about 1997, this was BBC Two's main film on a Saturday night. <laughs> which, which actually I think is when I watched it, and they trailed it really heavily that they were going to be showing the Battle of the River Plate. Tell us about very briefly about the actual Battle of the River Plate. So this is, this is very early in World War Two, nineteen thirty nine, in fact. And you know, at the start of the war, the German Navy has these um, what are called pocket battleships. So they're sort of armed and armoured with big guns like a battleship, but they're, they're cruisers. They're, they're, they're faster. They're a bit smaller. And, you know, they're, they're out doing commerce raiding at the start of the war. So, you know, they're scattered around the globe, preying on Allied shipping. And this is about one of those, the Graf Spee, which is eventually... Which has which is, which is sneakily sailed before the war started. Yes, very, very, very This is underhand. Yeah, yeah, underhand no, yes. no, no, no. Then, you know, You're supposed it's... to stay in port, <laughs> declare war, and then you sail out. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's preying it's on... the kind British... of people the Germans were, don't you? <laughs> Can't trust and them. And it's preying on British shipping in sort of the South Atlantic, Pacific, and you're all around sort of these... All of these British merchants, and this is about it being confronted by a squadron of British cruisers. They fight a, they fight a brief battle. The Graf Spee puts into Montevideo for repairs. 
Uruguay is a neutral country. So, so then it has a really exciting sort of naval battle first half, and then the second half is a sort of diplomatic. I mean, thriller, yeah. thriller is too strong a word. It, it's, uh, it's a film about what's diplomatic going to drama. Yeah, it's diplomatic <laughs> drama. So what's going to happen? So you've got this German pocket battleship. Um, which has, you know, gone in to do repairs. It's allowed a certain amount of time to make itself seaworthy, but not prepare for battle, or it'll be taken into custody by the Uruguayans. Meanwhile, you know, the, the, this Royal Navy task force is waiting outside, and it's about, you know, what's going to happen? Is it going to put out to sea, or is it not? And, you know, I, I enjoy it. <laughs> it's got some tremendous performances in it. I, it struck me that... So this this film comes out uh, in the middle of the fifties. It's actually held back a year. This this was a massive film when it yeah. came out, and when they have the early screenings, they're so got, successful. They've got some real ships. They've in. got real it's a ships. Massive film. <laughs> it does so well in the screenings that they hold it back a year so that it can be the royal film performance in front of the Queen and Prince Philip, who had been in the navy. Yeah. Actually, it, it's a good one for Prince Philip. He would have enjoyed it. You're saying Prince Philip would have enjoyed it, and you didn't. That's the end no, of the time. No, no, I'm, no, no. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I'm <laughs> saying that Prince Philip probably enjoyed yeah. it more. Yeah. <laughs> But it's a massive hit at the time. Isn't it's it? a huge hit, doesn't it? Does it? It's it's one of the three biggest British films of the year. Yep, there you go. Um, and uh, <laughs> for some for some reason, and I'm assuming that almost everyone in the audience would have known the story because this is only 16 years before, and one feels that every schoolboy would have known. The yeah, and I think it harks, but it harks back to sort of the the start of the war and the naval war at the start of the war, which is of a, you know, which I think the film shows really well is of such a different character to the naval war in the second half. So, you know, th- this is when German commerce raiders are still these pocket battleships, which, you know, coming up to merchant ships, taking the crew on board, sinking the merchant ship, dropping off the crew later. This is not the U-boat war. Of, it's you know, all terribly civilised. It, it is. It's very, very, very... It's almost like harking back. You know, it's like... It puts me in mind of... You know, I'm a big fan of the sort of Jack Aubrey, Stephen Matteron um, mm. naval novels by Patrick O'Brien, you know, saying yeah. Napoleon, Age of Sail, Napoleonic ships, taking prizes, all of that. I mean, this, this, is, this is the naval war fought like that, but 150 years later. Of course, it doesn't last. The German pocket battleships are all eliminated quite quickly in the war and then like in the first world war you go back to unrestricted u-boat warfare where you know it's not a case of pulling up alongside saying could you all terribly mind jumping on board this ship uh it's just you know ships being sunk and merchant seamen dying throughout the war there is this slightly odd thing with the war at sea where you sink a ship and then if there are survivors in the water you pick them up yeah yeah which is you know i mean that, that that's not happening in every other, I suppose you're, you're taking prisoners and and so on, but yeah. but you know the the sort of the the Monty line at El Alamein that we really we have to kill the enemy. Yeah, that's how we're, we're going to win this by killing more of them than they kill of us. Yes, um, uh, the navy and this is observed by both sides. The the navy sort of say, yeah, well, once, once we once we got rid of the ship, we we yeah, we and I think this particularly, and I think this comes across really well in this film, and I think that's one of the reasons it's so successful in that it's a look back at the war and at actual events of the war, but at an earlier part of the war, when the war at sea is this slightly more well, I mean, chivalrous is the word. It, it, it it's almost this sort of much more gentlemanly conduct. What's going on? Um, yeah, I, I think I think it, it it's the perfect film to make in the nineteen fifties. At the heart of the film is, and it's also a British victory, of course. It's. Uh, just- um, at the heart of the film is this relationship between Captain Dove, um, the captain of the Africa Shell, yeah. uh, who is sunk 
at the start of yep, it, but and you know, taken but again, on board by the Germans, yeah. Um, and uh, Langsdorff, yeah. the uh, the German captain, and it's it's an oddly sort of touching relationship. Dove, the, the film is actually based on Dove's book, so, yeah. so the the actual backstory for this film, why I make this film, is because. Um, Powell and Pressburger, who are at this stage sort of Britain's leading filmmaking team, producer, writer, director, never quite clear where, which which of them was doing which, I mean, it is, it is clear which of them was doing which role, but, it, but they, they were a team and they, they, they shared the credit on everything. They were invited to an Argentine film festival yeah. and they don't feel they can go unless there's a work justification. Ah. And someone gives this is the story, and, and so and someone gives one of them Dove's book, yes, uh, which is called something like "I Was a Prisoner on the Graf Spee." Yeah, um, I don't know what it's about, uh, <laughs> and uh, and they go, "Ooh, you know yeah. what? We could do this." We yes, could, and and the Navy are very very keen to cooperate, yeah. lending three of their ships. Yeah, um, uh, and and so it's sort of it, that's that's sort of how this comes about, and. And the the Dove memoir is the way that they can make it work. I mean, one of the interesting things about this is that really you don't see, you don't really see the German side of the battle at all. You see the battle aboard the British ships and you see the British captains who are held on board the Graf Spee and you see the Graf Spee being shelled from their perspective. Yeah. Which is quite good. That's quite that's quite a kind of are we hang on which side are we rooting for? Exactly, and but it's also I mean another reason for that I think is that the American ship standing in for the Graf Spee, you know, she looks big and impressive on screen, but that, that, that you know we don't go into you know techie wrong uniform whatever usually in this podcast, but she is she's too big. She's got too many turrets. She's got an extra funnel, she and she's not allowed wrong. to fly a swastika. <laughs> no, no, she, no, no, no. The Americans, yes, the Americans agreed to let the production company use it as long as she didn't fly a swash sticker. So or have, or when have any Nazi yeah. uniforms on board. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, like, so yeah, so the, yeah, the German sailors have American um, helmets on. There's lots and lots of accuracy problems about the German ship. And they sort of try and get over that early on in the script by saying, you know, we've rigged her up to look like an American cruiser. Because they were using disguises, but, you know, conveniently, we've disguised her as the ship she actually is. It's sort of the excuse used. There's also, and again, this is a recurring theme in in these films of this era. Langsdorff is a nice Nazi. Yeah. In fact, he's barely a Nazi at all. So the the, the scene where Dove is taken at the start, taken to see, taken to Langsdorff's cabin, there's some really interesting saluting. Yes, going on yes. There. You know, so, so the nasty Nazis are doing the 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 the, the, the Hitler salute. There's yeah. sort of the one hand in the air. Uh, Langsdorff, who, and this is truthful, I think, because I think he was photographed, I think when they're burying their sailors yeah. at sea, out, off, off Uruguay, they're yeah. obviously being watched, and I think at that stage he's photographed, and he is doing an old-fashioned naval salute, yeah. while the men alongside him are doing the, yeah. the arm-out salute, and from this, yeah. it has been declared that Langsdorff was was not really on board with the whole yeah. Nazi project, Um no, but you're right. Hard there's, to, yeah. there's, this is a film which the German character, the German character, really is um, is very, very sympathetic uh, and is as much a main character as as anyone else. And that's the thing. It's a film about the Battle of River Plate, which is really, to an extent, about both sides in the battle. I don't know that whether Captain Dove was a Yorkshireman. I feel strongly that there ought to be more Yorkshiremen in film. <laughs> I, I was really quite, you know, sort of thought you can trust, you know, sort of yeah. <laughs> probably what everyone would have known watching it that is not obvious in the film and I didn't know until I looked it up is that Langsdorff kills himself 
Yes. Yeah, so the various. So this is this sort of the dramatic climax of the film is, you know, the ship is it's going to have to leave the harbor, and when it goes out there, it's going to be facing a Royal Naval Task Force. And it, he thinks it's going to be a much larger Royal yes, Naval Task Force. Yes, because they've spread the rumor that yeah. reinforcements have arrived. It's actually not. It's going to be. Yeah. Roughly what he faced before. One of the ships has gone. Cumberland's arrived, played by herself. Um, or it's going to be, it, it would be a tough fight. One they probably wouldn't win, but it's not impossible. But he thinks it's going to be impossible. So the decision he took was to scuttle the ship. Save his crew. Save his crew. The crew all going to captivity. There's not a second sort of battle of the river plate. And then, yeah, he um, he went back to where he was staying. He Once, once he'd sorted out all of the crew going into, you know, internment. He laid out the ensign of the ship on the bed. He lay on it and he shot himself, which is not portrayed in the film. He sort of left at the end looking sad. They don't cover his actual suicide. He, he'd wanted apparently to go down with the ship, but was persuaded by his officers. He had a duty to make sure the crew all went into internment. So when you, when you see, I mean, when you see this final conversation at the end between Dove and Langsdorff, you do get the yes. sense that, Again, this is one of these ones. But as it's I say, an interesting if, if, if you knew, if you knew that he, that how what what was coming next, I suspect that scene makes a lot more sense than it did when I. It didn't. Not that it didn't make sense, but yeah. it, I, I suppose that it, it freighted with more meaning. But it's sort of an interesting. Maybe it was just the the, the feeling that you know, in the mid fifties, the audience will have known what happened to Langdorf. We don't need to yeah. show it. But it's quite an odd cinematic decision. Not you know even you, know, you could just have the gunshot from a closed hotel door you don't need to to see it but i mean it makes this film quite a child-friendly film yes and mean, it's, it's, it's a so very it's a very a, child it's a it's a bloodless war film of war films that you can take your six-year-old to yeah you know yeah. it's certainly i mean your six-year-old in 19 in the mid-1950s who would have been prepared to sit through it i'm not sure that many six-year-olds <laughs> now would be willing to sit through it but there's some really interesting diplomatic maneuvering <laughs> <laughs> Take them to the first half. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Send them out to get popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's often said the, the actual Battle of the River Plate lasted about an hour, mm. and they cut it down to about twenty minutes. Yeah, which actually is, is, is not bad. It's not you bad. Know? It's not bad. But then that does leave you with an hour and forty minutes in a film called The Battle of the River Plate, which are fundamentally not about the Battle of the River Plate. It's obviously at the time the title was much more meaningful. Again, you're. Yeah. I'm not sure how many people could find the river plate no, on a map no, no. today. I'm, I'm not, if I'm entirely honest, entirely sure whether I could find And in terms of plate. making this as a film that you can sit through if you're six-year-old, if your six-year-old has the patience, that this is where the, the artistic license has been applied. The artistic license has been applied to slightly sanitise some of the battle. So there's this wonderful um, sort of reminiscence from the, the gunnery officer on board um, Ajax. You know, so when, when they spotted... The Graf Spee, his his memory after the war was, you know, suddenly the um the captain, the captain yeah, the captain's voice comes through um you know the loudspeaker to the gunning room, and it's not the usual enemy sighted engage, it's fire at the fucker <laughs> is the order, which you know doesn't make a nineteen fifties film on um how you handle the you know, there's much more decorum on the bridge. Yes. Also, um, you know, in the actual battle, many you know they were spotted quite late, and many of the senior officers were wearing their pajamas when the engagement started. In in America, this was called the pursuit of the Graf Spee, presumably because the Americans had no idea what, what the, battle, they, yeah. of the battle of the River Plate was. But did they know what the Graf Spee was? Is it, is it they might. Uh, yeah. It's a really. I mean, yes, that's a that's a. I mean, I think these were. I think you know the Graf Spee, the Bismarck, all of that. These these are yeah. big, well known names at the start of the war. So my main question, watching this, 
quite a lot was what is going on during the battle. <laughs> my, In what sense? My problem is that all of the ship's bridges look quite similar. Yes, yes, yes. And although I can recognise John Gregson, I couldn't immediately remember. I may not have been paying full attention when it was explained to me which ship he was captaining. Yeah. I worked out that he was the Exeter. But it's, who's, hang on, who's been shot? Who's, yeah. who's, who's been hit? What's going on? Where are they? And you talked about Master and Commander. And yeah. actually one of the things that Master and Commander, the film, yeah. did, which I thought it did really well, was you do sort of know in that where the ships are relative to each other. Yes. You sort of understand what's going on in the naval battle, which partly because they're next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That bit's easy. They've come alongside. Yeah. Um, but this is the thing. It's quite hard to televise sort of, you know, battleship warfare in World War II. In that, you know, it is just confusing, and they are quite far apart. I mean, well, there's and, a very long-ranged... And it's not... It's not sort of diving behind cover either, no, is it? No, Ultimately, sorry, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's sailing towards uh, yeah. sort of firing your guns or trying to turn yeah. a bit so that you're, all, all of and your guns can get a law shot. Of, and there's an iron law of physics about this as well, that you know how fast that ship can go. You yeah. know how fast your ship can go. You know the range of your guns. You know which headings you're on. You know when you're going to be in range, when you're not going to be in range. Now, whether you're not, you'll hit. There's an element of luck in. But there is this sort of mechanical, drawn out, you know, they need to try and get, we need to try and get out of range of them. We're going at this rate of knots. They're going at this rate. So, yeah, which maybe doesn't make for good television drama or film drama. I think it picks up after Exeter is really badly damaged. And yeah. suddenly you get the drama of keeping this ship fighting. Yeah. And Gregson's sort of talking about whether yeah. whether he can ram it yeah. or not. You know, there's a, some real stiff upper lip yeah. moments there. Yeah, because, I mean, fundamentally what you've got is, you know, the, the, the German ship, the Graf Spee, has much longer ranged, much heavier guns. What the, what the British task force have on their side is that there are more of them so they can approach, you know, they, 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 just, need, they just need to head towards it quickly, ideally from different directions firing. Um, but, yeah. I mean, what they also have on their side, in, in fact, sort of taking a huge yeah. step back, is the Royal Navy can afford to lose three cruisers. Yes. And the, the German Navy can't yeah. afford to lose one pocket battleship. Yeah. So that, that, that's, sort of, yeah. that's, that's, which isn't, the, I mean, the, the, the nice bit at the start actually is when Anthony Quayle summons them all on board the flagship and sort of explains to us yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then they have gin. Yeah, well, obviously. So, yeah, what, what time is it? So, this, so let's talk about memes for a moment. My, the meme I want is, um, why don't we, we we're going to spend the afternoon uh, drilling very hard on this. Why don't we have some gin first? Well, yeah, exactly. It's classic. It's, 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 it's perfect, isn't it? Did we fight the war pissed, Duncan? <laughs> I think more so in the Navy than the other arms. Would be the so, fair so, way of you know, the Navy only abolished their rum ration in the late 60s. I didn't, I didn't know they had abolished their rum ration. Yeah, yeah, it was very controversial. It was, it was a defence cutback under the Wilson government. And, um, <laughs> you got all of these, you know, the letters pages of the newspapers are just filled with, like, retired admirals saying, you know, this is, this is the death of British naval tradition. It was something like a third of a pint of rum a day we were still giving to people in the um, late 60s. I mean, that's quite a lot. It's quite a lot of rum. Lot. Although, so I, I, I looked up, because a bit of book research I came across, yeah. this is... Um, an intelligence lunch. In fact, this is a daily intelligence lunch in mm. London, as mm. described by Dennis Wheatley, yeah. um, who was working in army intelligence at this point. Um, the drinking they would they would meet in a restaurant. They would have pims, yeah, then Pensible. absinthe, yeah, okay, but yeah. going harder earlier than I right. would have Pim, if I was Pim, pims and absinthe. Really. Then sit down to eat a meal with wine, yeah, yeah, and at the end of the meal they would have port. 
And then Dennis Wheatley would go back to the war offices and go back, go back to um, the cabinet war rooms and have a little nap in, in Atlee's bed. <laughs> I, and I think not while Atlee was there. I, I'm not sure that Atlee was a big lunchtime drinker. But I, I, I absolutely astonishing levels of alcohol consumption. I don't think I could, I could even lose a war after that. But I suppose, you know, that's a lot of people on a ship. And, you know, you've all got stink jobs and people can cover for your jobs. It's fine. I mean, you wouldn't want fighter pilots drinking gin um, before flying. But, you know, I think... <laughs> no, they the all drink German... bitter, interestingly, don't they, in the films? They're, they're, they're yeah, all... something weak. Yeah, Sen- yeah. Sensible. Sensible. Yeah. Which is themselves. probably quite weak as yeah. well in, in 19, yeah, 1940s. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the bit of this film that you wouldn't want to miss is the battle. Yes. I think... The second half of it, you can definitely make a cup you, of tea. Yeah, I mean, okay, you, you could. Okay, if you really, really, if you were, a, if you were, if you were a cultural philistine, if you didn't appreciate this were. film <laughs> for the masterpiece it is, you could watch the opening. You could, you know, have that relationship between Dove and Langsdorff. You could watch the battle. And then you could go and do something else and come back for the big sad end, <laughs> the ship scuttling. The other bit that I liked, um, because this is my area of, exp- of, of, of interest, is the moment of the deliberate leak. Yeah. So there's a moment where the, they, they wish to put across this story that the entire Royal Navy is descending on yeah. Uruguay. And uh, diplomats in Uruguay, British diplomats in Uruguay, phone on an open line yeah. through to the British ambassador in Buenos Aires, who keeps trying to get them off the line. Yeah. Uh, and they're desperately trying to say the thing that they want the Germans to hear. These are, what is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I enjoyed. I mean, but it's also, it's like, uh, it's all sort of skirted over in the film, but it is really interesting in that, you know, start off with, I think the rules of war at the time are, the Grashby can have 24 hours in which she can make a... We learn a huge amount about the Hague Convention that I didn't know. She can make, you know, she can, 24 hours, she can make herself seaworthy. She can't make battle preparations, essentially. And, you know, originally, the um, the Royal Navy's attitude is, to, okay, fine, start the clock. She's out in 24 hours. Then we're going to hit her very hard. And then they think actual reinforcements are coming. So at that point, the entire British sort of calculation to just delay her, keep her in port, find, find excuses. And what the British and French start doing is... They start getting every British and French merchant vessel they can find in the area to come in and out of Montevideo to sort of use up the sea lines. Of, because because there is this rule that, a, yeah. that a, a, a combatant battleship can't leave yes. within 24 hours. Yes. Of, I mean, all of that is quite well explained. There is a fascinating, yeah. for television professionals mm. like yourself, outside broadcast yes. uh, sort of running theme Yes. Uh, in this film. Is outside broadcast like that? Um, I mean, honestly, yes. <laughs> to, to, to next people step. passing your news night, people passing you glasses of scotch the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Just, I, I mean, I, this was still the days of my smoke, so you could at least have a quick cigarette as long as the camera. Only once, in fact, was I standing waiting to go on while smoking a cigarette. Only once did the producer have to scream at me. They were going live <laughs> early so out. I could stamp out a cigarette before appearing on the nation's television screens with a cigarette in my mouth. Um, but I've stopped smoking now, so it's fine. There are, I think, two women in this film. Yeah, again, the, you probably could have made a bit more of an effort with the, given that lots of it is in fact set yes, in Montevideo, on, on, which, which looks like a party. Actually, no, there's three women because there's the um, there's the singer. Yeah. Um, there's the telephone operator who questionable moment gets a bit harassed. Yeah. By I mean, you wouldn't catch a reporter either drinking on duty or harassing <laughs> someone in this day and age. Um, and there's Miss Shaw, who I think takes it away. We never who's 
doesn't even get a credit in the film. I mean, she's no. you've her, she's named on IMDb, but the, the, the sort of has several lines. And, and, and this is a film we should remind ourselves where they credit the ships. Yes, HMS <laughs> <laughs> Sheffield gets a credit. <laughs> Miss Shaw. <laughs> um, casualty list. The well, do you know what the body count of the Battle of the River Plate was? I don't actually. Like, would you? Would you like me to tell you? Yes, I do. Yes, it's a hundred and eight. Hundred and eight. Hundred and eight. I don't think we see all of those people dying. No, we don't. On... We don't. It's, no, honestly, this this is a surprisingly blood-free war film. Is there any blood in the film? So there's definitely a moment where there's a sailor dying. Yes, but but, but this is what's interesting no. is you've got you you get to see certainly the bridges of the free. British ships during the actual mm. battle, only a little bit of the German. And what you realise is that, you know, being on the bridge of a World War II cruiser during a naval battle is not like being on the bridge of a starship in Star Trek when there's a naval battle, where it seems there's some sort of terrible design flaw with every ship that's ever featured in any version of Star Trek in any iteration, where whenever it takes damage, one of the bridge panels will explode, <laughs> killing some of the cube. Uh, just, just invent circuit breakers or something. Yes. Um, but it's not like that. So, you know, even though some of these ships are taking hits, it's not as apparent in the bits they're showing. No, you, I mean, I, I was thinking in vain of the best death. I think you see a sailor die, and that has yeah, to be the yeah, best. Yeah, but, but really, we have to give the best death to the Graf Spree. Yeah, we do, we do. do. And it's, yeah, and, you know, she's not credited, because she's no. an American ship, and they didn't want their credit. But, um, but yeah, she, she is in some ways the star. Um, my other meme, so the, the, the memes I want are, uh, where's the sun? Is it over the yard arm? Can we have some gin? And the <laughs> other meme that I want making out is, is the moment when HMS Cumberland arrives, and uh, she's spelling out the message. And this is just... So, this feels to me like the great Anthony Quayle moment where he's suddenly, anticipation! <laughs> you sort of think, oh gosh, that's the Royal Navy. That's it, this is, we, we've, these are our values, you know, yeah. that the, 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 this is a war where men knew where they, not just men were men, but men knew where they ought to be in three days' time and set off in good time. And, and yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and had time for gin. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> drinking gin all the way. Um, stiffest upper lip. So I've got the crew of the Achilles. Yeah. A few few new ventilation gaps here. <laughs> Cut to highly damaged. I, um, I think it goes to John Gregson, though. Do you? Yeah, of, of, the, of the Exeter, the captain mm. of the Exeter. Can make Plymouth if ordered. <laughs> um. I just think there's this whole sense, though, of, you know, I think in the end, the stiffest double is, is Langdorf. He's the one that stops this film having more than 20 minutes of... Of, of, of battle footage um, by deciding to scuttle his own ship. And, and I think that final bit when he's, you know, he's clearly very depressed, but it's, uh, but, you know, he, he, he's the one that's made the heart. It's, it's interesting that he does, he does completely humanize it. Yeah. And yes. And maybe make it, make it more interesting. I, I, I mean, I don't know if you've seen Greyhound, the, the Tom I Hanks. Haven't. Another I haven't. Film, another film in which Tom Hanks plays somebody who must be 30 years younger than, yes. than him. I mean, were Destroyer captains really in their 60s? I'm yeah. not sure. Um, in that, that's done entirely from the bridge of one ship. Yeah. And you, you, the German submarine yeah. captain is allowed to taunt them over the radio. Yeah. But, but it, essentially it's all... I did, uh, See this en- film. This enjoyable. film just wouldn't work without the Germans. If it was just about the the British task force, it would be it would be an incredibly boring film. 
It would just be you no. Know, it would be task force be clear sales to around. Listeners, I don't think this is an incredibly boring film, <laughs> but I am surprised that this was one of the three most successful films in the year it came out. And yeah. <laughs> but you know, but without the Germans, this is a film of you know three British ships sailing up and down the South Atlantic to see the Graf Spee. Twenty minutes of shooty, shooty, shooty. Lots more waiting. Graf Spee sinks. You know, it's 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 yeah. that long extended opening of the relationship between Captain Dove, the uh, captured merchant. Navy man and um, Langdorf and you know and and him yeah we you know we see as much of the German crew and the German important characters as we do of the as we do of the Brits in this um Dan Buster's dog moment for problematic moments we've um talked about sexual harassment yeah um I think we also have to question the American reporters expense claims <laughs> I mean there's an awful lot of scotch uh, somebody in this film does say for you the battle is over Yes, they do, don't they? And is, that, is this the origin? <laughs> I, I, well, I wondered that. I mean, it's not the war is over because it's actually yeah. it's, it's when the captains are being yeah. set free. But there was, I did, yeah. did let out a yelp of joy when I heard that yeah. uttered. I, yeah. <laughs> the actual best line, which again is foreshadowing. I mean, I thought it was a good line, and then you know how it yeah. how it ends, and it, it's the best line is uh, is Langstorff, Every commander is alone. Yes, yes. Um, which sort of that tells you I'm. Yeah. I'm going to go and kill myself off screen. Yes. You know, you can tell your children about that or not. <laughs> <laughs> we will leave it, leave it to you, the viewing audience. No war crimes. No war crimes. I think are completely honourable. Completely honourable. They, they, they even give their captives Christmas decorations. Exactly. That's how nice a war this is. <laughs> and, but that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, you know, this, in the end, Langsdorff decides to save his crew and, you know, and thereby save some British sailors as well. You know, I could go out there and fight a completely pointless battle and I might damage one British cruiser, I might damage two, I might even sink one. But Britain's got lots of cruisers. My ship's gone either way. I'm going to avoid this bloodshed. It's so a- the signal back to the Admiralty is something like many lives saved today yeah. or something, isn't yeah. it? I mean, they, they, yeah. they, they, they understood yeah. what they had seen. Yes. Um, so introducing characters in this tiny part who went on to be a legend, uh, the Bernard well, not Lee. Not HMS Sheffield, we've established Not HMS Sheffield, no, who, who <laughs> sort of looked so promising. Um, Bernard Lee, who plays Captain Dove, do you know who he became? Go on. He's M. Is he? He's the classic M. Oh, there we go. Well, Without so 1970s, 1970s, right. 1970s M. And another Lee, Christopher Lee, so you would not, you, the barman in the bar where the American reporter is holding forth is played by Christopher Lee, who sort of two years from yeah. this will be playing Dracula and... Uh, really? for, for younger I younger listeners, if, I, I don't know if we have any younger listeners, and if we do, I don't know what's wrong. Kentucky, with them. but um, uh, Saruman, I was going to say. Uh, I was going to go Kentucky, <laughs> but, um, Star Wars, but yeah, um, or so, Count Dooku, I think. Count Dooku, yeah, yes. yeah I'd be in trouble for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are no implausible moments because it's all true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, you can quibble about um, what exactly they made up, but it's all it, it, it's it's all essentially wrong number of funnels. Wrong, wrong number of funnels. It's, 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 because no they can't paint them moments. out yeah. because because <laughs> they were using actual ships. Yeah. Um, Duncan, is this the operation that changed the course of World War Two? Well, no, but but you know, but it's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, it's it, it's. It's an interesting. Okay, operation. is this at least the operation at, at the point at which the Nazis start thinking we need we can't let our battleships out? Yeah, I think that's. I think that's. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. The battleships, because, the battleships because go out less frequently after that. We um, we talk about sink the Bismarck, but the Bismarck sort of spends most of the war in a Norwegian fjord. Yeah, most most indeed. You know, she comes out, she sinks the herd, and then yeah. she gets sunk herself. Um, the, you know the. Uh, 
yeah, the all all of these pocket battle. You know, German Navy spends a fortune building these pocket battleships, which are interesting ships in that they're sort of roughly the size of cruisers, but they're but they're, they're much better armed, big guns. Um, yeah, and then most of them spend the war um, achieving very little. And you know, well, and again, it's 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 all about the U-boats again, the German the German Navy. So yeah, but it's but it's it's a snapshot of that early part of the war when naval warfare looks different, and it's also you know, even in the Pacific, where you've got a much bigger naval war, that becomes a naval war of aircraft carriers. And, you know, mm. once you get to the really big battles in the Pacific, you know, midway, coral seal, that, yes, these are fleets all, that don't see each other. That's, that's yeah, torpedo it's, bombers and, yeah, torpedo and, and, bombers and dive bombers. And, 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 yeah. So this is, this is one the of ships the... ships don't yeah. see each other. So this is, this is a battle in which the yeah, ships see each other. Yeah, this is this rare moment in which, yeah, battleships firing big guns at each other. Another legacy. So HMS Ajax has a sort of afterlife. Do you know about the town of Ajax in Ontario? I do not. The town of Ajax in Ontario, um, which was sort of it's some kind of war new town, and all the streets are named after sailors um, from the Ajax, except one, which is named after Langsdorff. Oh, there you go. Controversially. <laughs> Controversially at the time. You wouldn't want the house on Langsdorff Street, would you, if you're moving into Ajax, Ontario? At that time. <laughs> Worth dying for. You think this film stands up to repeated viewing? I actually do. So this is I, I must have seen it. I must have seen it two or three times many, many years ago. I saw it when it was on BBC Two last Christmas. It was on so BBC... They're still showing it? Yeah, they yeah, showed it last Christmas. So I missed right. it live. Then uh, somebody told me and it was, it was on iPlayer. So I watched it on iPlayer last Christmas. And then I rewatched it. Um, I rewatched it for this, having seen it about a year, about 11 months before. And yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. It's got some great performances. It's got some great cinematography. It's just, you know, right. You go and see, if you're in central London, you go and see HMS Belfast moored in the Thames. Yes. And it's a massive ship. And like, if you stand and look at it from one of the um, bridges, you realize how big it is. And then you realize what sort of a feat it is filming with five or six of these things. <laughs> you sort of get a sense of the scale. I mean, it's a really, really well-told story, well-acted, impressive bit of cinematography. I, I, uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think it bears repeated viewing. The thing now you realize when you're watching every TV series has a high-definition drone. And so it's suddenly very, very easy to do a great sweeping shot. And there's yeah. a Top Gun, famously, I think in the original Top Gun, they are they got the US Navy to turn an aircraft carrier around so it caught the sun better. <laughs> they absolutely clearly have done that in the new Top yeah. Gun film because there is a fantastic moment where the, the sun. Yeah. It, whereas, yes, in nineteen in the nineteen fifties, this was all hard. And actually, you can see right at the start that the, there's a moment where the sea is not. Yeah, is, is, the sea is slanted across the screen, yeah. and you think, "Oh, that's because it's quite hard filming at sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody can get the camera level, yeah, yeah. so we'll just use that bit." Yeah, yeah, exactly. It adds to the atmosphere. That's how I like to think about. It. Well, as Duncan, having scuffled himself, sinks slowly below the waves onto a sandbank, that's been the Battle of the River Plate. I'm Rob Hutton. That was A Pod Too Far with me, Robert Hutton, and Duncan Weldon. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, and if you liked it, rate and review us. You can drop us a line at podtoofar at gmail.com or on Twitter at podtoofar. If you want to watch along with us, next week went the day well. (laughs) <laughs>